Welcome to the U.S. Grace Force podcast. This is part one of a two-part interview with Xavier Eral. We hope you will enjoy it and benefit greatly from it. Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Wars Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And we've got with us tonight, Xavier Arell is back. This is going to be awesome. Uh, And while we're excited to have him back, it's not necessarily an exciting topic. Uh, Yes and no, because it speaks of obviously the times that we're in, the spiritual battle and prophecies, preparations, and the absolute reality that we're all being confronted with right now. What choices we're going to make very, very soon, if not already. Before we get started, though, everything needs to begin with prayer. And Father, we always turn that over to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father. And of course, we always thank everybody out there who helps us with the U.S. Grace Force podcast. You are members of our family. That's how we look at you. Over 80,000 subscribers. We thank every single one of you who has subscribed to this channel. For those of you who like it, share it, get these messages out. Father and I are always wanting, really desiring to bring to you a really common sense sort of voice of reason especially with all the different messages that are in our world right now and all the different attacks and struggles and battles that we all face. So you help with that when you spread this to others and give them a chance to hear these very powerful messages, these great guests, such as our guest tonight. And hopefully by the grace of God, we're helping many, many lives, many souls, not only be ready for today, tomorrow, but for what may come down the road. We thank all of you for your prayers, your encouragements, your comments. They mean everything to us. And for those of you who support us through the Patreon program, That also means the world, the difference to us. A few dollars, I always say, every month goes a long way. If you want to help us out with the Patreon program and be a financial contributor to this effort, you can click the link in the description below, and that will get you started. And we thank you again so much for every single ounce of support you can give us. Now, tonight, we've got a very serious message. Obviously, this is the first episode of 2024. And I always have been, well, I've been saying for quite some time, Father, you've probably heard this too, you know, while we have the time and the resources, we've got to continue to get these messages out. And when I say time and resources, what I mean is we have the resource of this great platform, social media, YouTube, uh, you know, iHeartRadio, all the different forms that we can get our podcast out. And we know that these things can be stripped away from us like that. They really can whether it's a cyber attack or whether it's divine intervention from heaven, we know that these things can be taken away. So it's just great to be able to have these opportunities to get this message out again, while we have the resources and the time. And Xavier, we had you on, um, you know, back at the end of September, 2023, you brought a very clear, very concise, very concerning message for a lot of people. It was about what was coming in October. Now, that particular episode took place almost exactly 10 days 
from when Israel was struck with a horrific terrorist attack. And since then, things have really, really escalated in the world. We want to break that down a little bit and get your thoughts, your take on all of that. Um, but first of all, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. It is great to have you back. How have you been? Thank you very much, Doug, Father Hellman, for uh, your kind invitation. Again, and very happy new year to you both and to your viewers. Uh, yes, um, indeed, when we spoke on, on last September, I was very hesitant to, to deliver uh, this prophecy that was given from Father Michel Rodriguez in Quebec. Um, this particular prophecy uh, came at a time when he himself has been under tremendous sort of attack and abandonment uh, from all sides. So, and what's more, having worked myself with Father René, with Monsignor, well, when I walk and work with uh, uh, Father René Laurentin uh, in the 1990s, he was not yet a Monsignor. But when I worked with him, uh, he used to profoundly um, dis dislike, not to say hate, but dislike tremendously all sorts of prophecies. For according to him, prophecies are nothing more than an admonition. Nothing is engraved. Nothing is set on stone except for not prophecies, as we've heard from others say, but um, um, accounts that have been foretold decrees from God. The decrees are, for instance, when God um, has said in his divine plan that there will be uh, a birth of his son through a Virgin Mary. Prophecies, admonitions, are all subject to man's reaction, response, and possible uh, conversion. So I was very hesitant uh, to bring forth this prophecy brought forth by Father Michel. However, in the past year or so that I've known the man, uh, the, this man of the cloth, um, I found him and his prophecies to be very much like um, in synchronity, in perfect synchronization with the prophecies brought forth by Marie-Julie Jani in La Frode in France, which is, um, has been a, an apparition case which has been informally approved by her local bishop, uh, Monsignor Fournier, in 1876, June the 6th to be precise, if memory serves. So indeed, when Father uh, Michel told, uh, told me that uh, God the Father appeared to him, uh, and he mentioned to him that the beginning of um, all of these events to come would start uh, in October. No, the tribulations were the words used, was the word, word used, I was very hesitant to mention it because already Father, Lord, Father Rodriguez has been attacked, as I mentioned earlier, and abandoned for having brought forth another prophecy, which, thank God, did not take place. No? And which involved, as you, you'll remember, um, the passing away of uh, His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI. Um, again, what was not known was the circumstances and another revelation that was given to him on December the 28th of last year, or rather of 2022, uh, which brought forth uh, the fact that Pope Benedict XVI was, would never see the year 2023, uh, and the martyrdom that was initially prophesied about him has been avoided thanks to the millions 
are faithful who have watched this series um, that have been echoed throughout uh, the internet, revealing what was coming to um, to the destiny of His uh, Holiness Pope Benedict XVI. Nevertheless, indeed, we saw that in October, the war, a major war, started in the Middle East. Uh, we saw that exactly what was prophesied took place because people did not believe anymore. The harm has been done. People did not listen and the faithful did not pray because the harm was caused against um, the bearer of this uh, admonition brought forth by Father Michel Rodrigue. Yeah, you know, I, when that happened, and actually uh, that very day, uh, by divine providence, I was in Washington, D.C., and mm -hmm. we were having our National Rosary Rally, and I had the great opportunity of processing our Lord in the Holy Eucharist that very same day. Uh, the bombing had happened hours earlier, uh, but there we were in, you know, the capital of the world, some might say, but but uh, you know, making decisions that that affect not only us in this country, but all all across the planet. And and we were in intense prayer. And at the, and while we were marching, we and we've done that in years past. And I always deferred to someone else who was there to to press, process our Lord. But this year, I asked if I could, and it was actually myself and Father Stephen Amarado. He, uh, I took it to this to the Supreme Court. He took it from the Supreme Court to our her site. Anyway, um, the horrific howling, and it was it. it I, I don't want. I'm not one of those try to find the devil under every rock, but it this sounded demonic from protesters, and we've never had that happen. And they never stopped howling throughout all of our um, prayer rally time together which was at that site on the grounds of the nation's capital. Um, and so you, you just had a strong sense. And I recalled that 10 days prior, you, you know, we, we had had that podcast and and you were letting us understand through prophecies that October is, and the way you put it, uh, Xavier, was it's the beginning. It's not, can you, can you uh, say more exactly what that was? It's not what's going to, it's the being, what was that? Yes, it was the beginning the, of tribulation. To the right. point that uh, Father Michel Rodrigue said this would be uh, the first page of a new chapter. This is no longer a time of prophecy. This is a time now, of... Now as we look back, it's what a perfect description, the beginning of the tribulation. I mean, once the Holy Land was bombed, all of a sudden, I think everybody remembers this, the whole world was taking sides, Right. And and uh, I think we avoided something at least in the near term through that because um, Israel was a little bit cautious in how they handled it, but um, or how they're handling it. But uh, but you had the sense that the whole world—if you do this, then we'll do this. If you do this, then we'll do this. You know, and uh, so you know, of all the places to have this demonic attack by Hamas. Um, you know, just what they did, raping and killing babies and everything that they did. Anyway, uh, so go ahead. You were, you were saying, Xavier? Yes. Um, Father Michel explained to me when I when I met him uh, in Quebec 
that uh, one of the principal cornerstones of this Machiavellical plan would be that it would match all the concerned parties' interest. In other words, for Israel, it was, uh, uh, as we say in French, du pain béni, which means blessed bread, in the sense that it was a perfect reason to smash and enter Hamas uh, in the Gaza Strip. At the same time, they were exposing themselves on the northern flank, uh, north of Israel with Lebanon, with Hezbollah, no? which is a considerable, more powerful military force. Both Has Hamas and Hezbollah are both funded by Iran. So for Israel, it was a way to smash once and to give a, to strike back at an enemy that it could not strike anymore for many UN resolutions reasons, among other things. For the uh, Arabs, this was also a blessed, uh, blessed bread from heaven in the sense that Saudi Arabia was in, in on course to open a diplomatic avenue, a formal diplomatic avenue with Israel. You can pretty much kiss that goodbye. Uh, the entire um, Shiites, uh, Sunnit, Westbelite, all of these particular Muslim factions have united. Factions that never would have sat at the same table, simply because they decided to join forces and show an act of solidarity with Palestine against Israel. So for the Arabs, it was also exactly um, what they wanted. For the Occident, well, this was not the same story, obviously, but at least it reinforced the military position in the Mediterranean, closer as well to another front further north, no? And to reinforce the avenues of uh, transportation of goods and services, particularly goods uh, coming from the Red Sea. So all these, and also putting pressure on Iran or giving possibly the Americans uh, reason to bomb Iran, which has been a thorn on its side for many, many years. And they are very, very close. According to my friends in Brussels, in NATO, we're talking about active officers in the French army. They're telling me that right now, anything, any reason that would give the Anglo-Saxons, the Americans, the English and the French to bomb Iran, to try to destroy or at least delay somewhat their nuclear program would be welcome. So in this instance, it is very well planned. And Father Michel Rodrigue was telling me, don't you see, Xavier, there is such a well-planned intelligence behind all this. It matches everyone's purposes. Everyone wants war. Everyone is gaining from war. This is not coming from God. And whatever is not coming from God comes from the enemy. Now, Father Michel Rodrigue, also likewise, um, that is something that to me, after years of having uh, studied, uh, beginning with Father Laurentin, the case with uh, Marie-Julie Janine in France, no? um, brings forth all the prophecies that are yet to come. And that is what frightening is frightening. He mentioned as well, as early as August, not September, but August, that the situation in uh, Ukraine would go totally in the disfavor of Ukraine. Um, he mentioned that what he heard in his conversation with uh, the Eternal Father was that indeed the Ukrainian war was not at all what the media is um, reflecting on uh, on television or on the radio. In fact, uh, the time will come when the situation in 
Ukraine, likewise, very much like that of in the Middle East, will be a catalyst from some for something considerably bigger. No? Uh, he mentioned that this year will be a, also a cornerstone for the tribulations which have started in October of last year. And he was told by God the Father that his community in Quebec must not must be imperatively finished by April of 2024. I asked why, and I all I got for a response is it was a smile. I knew not to not to insist and not to be too indiscreet. That being said, that those are the immediate and uh, most constant prophecies that are being brought forth. As for the message that Father Michel received, indeed, yesterday, on um, the, th on the first Xavier, of I'm sorry, forgive me for interrupting, but I just, could you re-emphasize that point that Father Michel was told by April what is supposed to be finished by then? His community in Quebec okay. must be totally completed okay. no later than April of 2024. Community. So His this... community... Yes, yeah, could you so define for the audience more specifically what that means, the community? Yeah, Father Michel Rodrigue has a website uh, which explains the story. He was asked some time ago by God uh, the Father to create this community with three principal uh, centers or nucleus, nuclei. The first one would have to be um, a religious uh edifice which will host among other things a little church or chapel a large chapel within and quarters for religious life nuns there is a part that is divided for nuns the other for uh, religious men monks priests so on and so forth the second um, largest edifice uh, is meant for um, souls that are consecrated to god and that might be led to be either a consecrated leader, a consecrated family, or a, or a religious life. And the third edifice, which is the one that is yet not built, is an edifice that will be for quarters for consecrated families. Consecrated families to the Sacred Heart of Christ, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and to the Holy Family. Now, this particular um, edifice is, uh, when I went to Quebec, I was astounded. I thought to myself, when I'm going to go there, I'm going to come with as much a critical eye as I can. No, I really was determined to try to, to be as objective as I could. So I came as phlegmatic as, as I could, and I saw what Father Michel and the four brothers of his new order, which he has founded, by the way, and which has been approved formally by the chair. No, the constitution has been read, written, dictated by our Lord, not an iota has ever been changed by Rome. And that's the very first time in the history of the church that a constitution written for any kind of order has not been changed or modified by the proper authorities of the church. Mm -hmm. His order, which now cons consists of uh, four monks and Father Michel himself, therefore, um, have managed to build out of nothing without asking a thing to anyone. And this I bear witness myself. It's like these buildings grew out of nowhere. The funds always come, always came through somebody who 
met or heard Father Michel on the internet, wanted to meet him, offer their assistance. He never asked for a penny. Always, this magnificent edifice have sprung from the ground up, and I was amazed. Keep in mind that um, I've worked on both sides of the Atlantic with various religious communities. In this instance, all the prophecies that have been brought forth through Father Michel have taken have become a reality. And the basis, the roots of Father Michel's new order is this. A loyalty to the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church. Inconditional loyalty and obedience to the um, Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church and to the true magisterium. And I emphasize the word true magisterium. To the dogma of the faith, to the, to the holy scriptures, to the um, uh, gospels, and to all the sacraments of everything that constitutes the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church, the only Christian church, with all due respect that I have, and God knows I have immense respect for our brother Protestants, no? But the Catholic Church, Father Michel reiterates and reminds us, is the only Christian church that has been founded by Jesus Christ himself. The Anglicans by Henry VIII, the Calvinists by Calvin, the Lutherans by Luther, and so on and so forth. All imperfect men. Mm. The Catholic Church has been founded, is the only Christian church that has been founded by the Son of God. And Father Michel reinstates again and again loyalty to the true magisterium, loyalty, faithfulness, living. When I mean living, it means you have to live your life through the Holy Scriptures, through the Holy Sacraments, particularly the Holy Eucharist, which Father Michel has announced will be very soon under attack. He, he announced that the next attack uh, that will come and will divide or will split the church even more so than it is today will be due to a new legislation or um, a new way of celebrating the Eucharist, which under the auspices of Catholicism, which means universality, will try to gather under the same roof all sorts of other denominations, mm. Protestants, Catholics, all those who believe into one God. And the time will come, and this is where there is complete similarity and synchronity or synchronization with the prophecies brought forth by Marie-Julie Janie and others. They will be offered to priests to celebrate and consecrate the host through the means of their own choice. The one, the liturgy, which we know today as Novus Ordo, which is valid, and another one, which will be brought forth with the purpose of gathering under one roof all those who believe in one God under the name of Catholic Catholicism, which means universal church. And that particular, that second manner of consecrated the host, we are told, will be in the eyes of God an utter abomination mm -hmm. and will not be valid. Furthermore, we were told, and believe me, I find no pleasure at all in echoing this. And in this particular instance, I, I cannot always stop myself by remembering the words of wise Father Laurentin. Be reserved and be careful to what you say. And I'm trying very much so without distorting the truth. So, according to 
what is yet to come, the Catholic Church, and this is found also in Catechism, the Catholic Church will have to follow the steps of Christ and go through the same passion he himself went through, through Via Crucis, through Golgotha. The Church will be crucified, the Church will appear to have died, will be buried, but will resurrect. And then will be the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Mm. When we spoke of the latest events that took place uh, in Rome with the depose of a truly holy man, such as uh, His Excellency Bishop Strickland and so many others, I did a show, I think, with, was it with uh, um, uh, Monique Turnbull? With the heart and refuge, or was it was it with John Henry Weston? I do not remember, but there was a long list of prelates. The latest being His Eminence Cardinal uh, Burke, who is being taken all his uh, means of survival in Rome. But it appears that indeed uh, a new interpretation of the gospel is being brought forth by the newly appointed authorities in Rome. Now I bring to your attention the following, and this does not come from Father Michel. No, from just a coffee table discussion. This is a fact. Uh, the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church is not the Vatican. Or rather, it's just not the Vatican. It's all of us. It's the laity. It's you, Doug. It's Father. It is I. It is my children. It is all those who are watching or listening to us. That's the Roman Catholic Church, the, the mystical body of our Lord Jesus Christ, No, which manifests itself every time there is a Mass, to the consecration of the Holy Host in his true body and blood, soul and divinity, uh, through the Holy Sacrament of the Eucharist. That's what the Catholic Church is all about. The Holy Scriptures, the dogma of the faith, the deposit of the faith, and the Gospels, which form the four corners uh, or cornerstone of the Roman Catholic and Apostolic faith. If tomorrow we were to review in depth the history of the Catholic Church, We've seen that in our history, we had many uh, scandals that took place. The church survived, and the church will continue to survive. We must pray for the Pope. We must pray for Pope Francis. We must pray that God illuminates him and guides him through accordingly. Under no circumstances must we, Catholic and the faithful, be tempted to leave the Catholic Church because we find scandal in it, or because we don't agree that all of a sudden, against the teachings of the Bible, and I will read to you a couple of them, and one of which from Leviticus, which clearly states that homosexuality is an abomination. This new interpretation that is being presented to us on a silver platter is contrary to the teachings of Holy Scriptures. And I will give you but only two examples, if you permit me, of course. We must not, under any circumstance, be tempted to leave the Catholic Church by being in the by making the mistake to believe it is no longer one. The Catholic Church will survive and will stand. I will simply finish. I tend to be, as you well know now, very long-winded. <laughs> the Catholic Church, if I were to make an, an analogy, is a sea vessel that is in the middle of one of its worst tempests it has ever experienced in its history, even when we have three popes claiming to be 
popes at the same time. This is very extraordinarily serious as he threatens the very existence of our church. We are in the middle of a tempest and under no circumstances are we to abandon ship. No. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. This comes from Father Laurentin, what I'm echoing to you, and from Father Michel Rodrigue. The enemy's purpose is to make the Catholic Church implode, not explode, mm. and to make it become totally, uh, or rather, victim to total lack of credibility or contradiction. So that is the principal point I've uh, dug and father or father and dug. If you knew, since um, this Christmas, I tried to stand away a little bit from all this and consecrate myself a little bit to my family to give them perhaps what I might suspect to be a last normal Christmas. Mm. So I tried to stay a little bit away from that and consecrate to my two young children and my wife. So nevertheless, um, we are truly living a moment that will be, as I mentioned in my show uh, with you in September, in a point of reference that will be referred to in the history books. And this year in particular, um, our Lord, as you will see next month when I read you the message that Father Michel Rodrigue received yesterday um, for her humanity to be publicly delivered, but not before February, that we are to prepare, particularly with calmness, with mercy towards our enemies or to those whom we think might have fallen victim to heresy or apostasy or simply error. We must pray for them. Remain loyal to the church and do not fall into the trap that the devil is placing before us to want to leave the Catholic Church because we are scandalized. As scandalized we are. So I finish simply by saying, remember uh, the principal uh, teachings of the Virgin Mary in all her apparitions are convert while there is still time, principally through the reading of the Gospels, the reading of the dogma of the faith, living your life accordingly, going to confession, if you can once a month, preferably on first Saturday, and always, always, if you can, receive Holy Communion every day. If you cannot every day, at least, and it is imperative, every Sunday, with all your heart, when you receive Holy Communion, believe that you receive truly not just a symbol of the Last Supper in commemoration of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is truly the body and blood, the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ that we receive. And never, if you suspect that you have committed a terrible wrong, particularly mortal sin, do not receive the Holy Communion in this state. Always, if you even suspect you've done something tremendously wrong, Ask for confession before and then present yourself worthily. Again, this is not judgment. It is teachings from St. Paul on the, New, on the New Testament. You must receive the body of our Lord properly and in a worthy fashion. Receive the body of our Lord in a state of grace. If you do this, if you confess, if you place your faith, and if you do not abandon the Roman Catholic Church, those are the keys of your salvation. Here. And also here, as I will go into it in a little while. Forgive me, I monopolized too long the flow. I beg your pardon. No, you're fine. I, I did want to interject because you were re, you were telling us that Father uh, Rodrigue received this yesterday. Well, something else happened yesterday. And I received a phone call on 
the morning of New Year's Eve. We're recording on January 2nd. So that's our yesterday is, is uh, January 1st. But I received a call on New Year's Eve in the morning from one of the holiest, most priests that I trust immensely. And he called to tell me that he had just heard that uh, Our Lady uh, had yes. sent the message out in Medjugorje to in Medjugorje. Yep, to get everybody as many as possible up the hill on uh, January first, which is obviously New Year's, but it's the Solemnity of the Mother of God, mm -hmm. or to pray for three hours. And um, I just I related that on on Facebook and. Um, uh, and a, a lot of people say, I'll, I'm in, I'll, pr I'll pray too. And I actually went up to a beautiful park uh, in the Madison area called Blue Mounds State Park, Blue for Mary. And it's in the neighborhood of uh, Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. So I've, I've had that kind of as um, a special prayer place to go to. But So I kind of went up the hill to pray too, uh, pray the rosary. But I was struck too by... Um, so many who reacted so intensely um, against Medjugorje. And uh, I felt that the church had not made a decision one way or another on Medjugorje. You know, it's, it's, not, dis, it's not condemned nor, nor approved. It's in that kind of middle ground stage. But I also know the fruit of what's going on there because of all my years in priesthood, I've never seen or heard of so many conversions and vocations that have come out of people who have uh, taken a trip to Medjugorje and experienced whatever the grace that, that's, that's still out there. And the other two stories, one is um, Father Donald Calloway, his conversion story. Everybody should, should look this up. But this is a guy... And I, I pulled something up because I just wanted to read the, this few lines. He said this, On one occasion, I even found myself in a crack house, falling around on the rug, my hands and knees. This is about the Callaway back when he was a teenager, looking for any cocaine that might have fallen on the floor. There were cockroaches running around and maggots in the sink, unwashed dishes. Um, and it go, goes on from there. But this is a guy who was um, immersed in all every drug you could find back then, cocaine and opioids and uh, every, everything he could. And he hated his life at that point. And as he tells the story, uh, I found myself sitting there alone in my room with nothing to do and no one to turn to. And my existence was laughable, he said. And somehow, some way, he found himself over the bookshelf. I think it might have been his mother's book. And his eye caught a book on the apparitions of uh, Our Lady in Medjugorje. And he began to read it. And I, I don't want to get long-winded myself, but people can go on and and uh, see that that was kind of a trigger moment for him, and which led him to uh, leave that life of uh, parties and drugs and ladies and everything and turn his life over to God and become one of the most beautiful priests that we have living right now. Um, he had that experience, and here's the second experience, is about seven or eight years ago, I have been telling how 
unusual my call to vocations was. I had it all in one day, and it was my 23rd birthday. And um, I, the day before, all the days before, it was kind of like, do I want it? No, I don't. You know, I just brushed it off whenever the thought came. But on that day, by the time I got into my parents' face, they looked looked at my face and they knew I was going to be a priest because the conviction that I had. And by the day's end of my 23rd birthday, we had contacted the vocation director and started the, the ball rolling from there. And I've loved every minute of being a priest. But I got a one-day call to the priesthood on my 23rd birthday. Well, about seven or eight years ago, I finally connected the dots. Uh, my 23rd birthday was June 24th, 1981. That was the first day our, started, our, our lady allegedly started appearing in Medjugorje. So you see that mm -hmm. there's two examples there of Father Calloway. I mean, he picks up a book. He ended up reading the book all night long, you know, that, that day. And then mine, where I don't even know Medjugorje existed, but yet I had it on the exact same day she started appearing. So that said, uh, I don't approve nor condemn it. Uh, I'm open to it. Okay, I'm open to it. But the fruit... The fruit, you can't deny the fruit. And that's what um, has been coming out of the Vatican of recent years is yet, first they, did, they didn't want parishes or dioceses to sponsor trips because it would have the appearance of Vatican approval. Now they're like, please go because they can't deny the fruit. And um, so Xavier, uh, all that said, and that's, I, I kind of wanted the, the, the viewers to see where I stood with with uh, Our Lady of Medjugorje, it, you know, and and I, I believe I stand exactly where the Church does, that they either they neither approve nor disapprove, or condemn uh, those. But Xavier, so is it possible that uh, Our Lady, in fact, did call us on January first? See, Father uh, Miguel received that uh, that message on January 1st. Our Lady called everybody in Medjugorje up to the hill on January 1st, 2024. It keeps coming back, doesn't it? It's 2024, 2024. And as you said in that uh, September 27th podcast we had with you is that October will be kind of like a a beginnings, and that, but here we are in 2024. First, uh, Xavier, can you comment on, you know, Medjugorje and, and then maybe more about this uh, message to, to pray for three hours yesterday? Certainly. No, this, uh, this could not possibly have been a coincidence. Again, when a ma similar message is being brought forth from heaven to different people, different messengers, in uh, completely in completely different opposite sides of the planet, there is something that uh, jumps to your attention, no? Regarding Medjugorje, you're very right, Father. The result has been extraordinary. Father Laurentin, when I used to work with him, uh, <laughs> has been under the line of fire as well. Just a brief parenthesis to give you a historical update, because in many of the shows uh, where I am I'm privileged to appear, and there are a lot of comments, and I do tend to read the comments, uh, of many faithful people of good faith that said, well, no, 
Medjugorje has not been approved by the church. There are some messages that are contradictory, contradictory to the faith. It's not true. It's, it's a falsehood. The whole story with Medjugorje, the whole controversy came to give you exactly facts from the time when Father Laurentin came to uh, defend them against the Bishop of Moshtar. The problem that took place originally when everybody was in favor of Medjugorje was that the children, which was, uh, which, who were rather, and the communist country, Yugoslavia, was not yet broken down in different countries. Yugoslavia was a strict communist nation. And for you to pretend to see the Virgin Mary, you, you would threaten your life and that of your family for doing so. The bishop was in favor of Medjugorje. The problem was that the children asked for the protection of the Franciscans of the little village of Medjugorje. And the Franciscan order was not under the jurisdiction of the bishop of Moshtar. This was a political problem between the Franciscans and the bishop of Moshtar. And therefore, because the bishop asked to put the children under his protection, the, the Franciscans said no because the children wanted to remain under the Franciscans' protection. And the Franciscans were in totally independent to the jurisdiction of the Bishop of Moshtar. And there's been a major fight between the order of the Franciscan and the Bishop, who then declared and was about to condemn Medjugorje. The problem is, as it was about to do so, Cardinal Ratzinger, who was at the time the prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, future Pope Benedict XVI, after speaking to Pope John Paul II about the tremendous situation that was taking place in Medjugorje, did something that, again, was never, ever seen in the history of the Catholic Church and which profoundly humiliated the Archbishop of Moshtar. Hmm. It was to refuse the condemnation of the Bishop of Moshtar against Medjugorje and to place the new jurisdiction of the case, apparition case, into the Episcopal College of the ex-Yugoslavia. That meant Bosnia-Herzegovina, Croatia, Slovenia, um, Macedonia, and so on, and so forth. This has never been seen in the history of the church before. Otherwise, it would have been condemned by the Bishop of Moshtar, a condemnation which was utterly refused by the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, according to the orders given by John Paul II. So this is exactly the story which I tell in my book, Revelations, on the chapters of Medjugorje, not with my own writings, but with that which were written by Father Laurentin in an article written in Paris, and which I translated from French to English. It's there in Father Laurentin's own words. And Father Laurentin was attacked by the bishop himself, because he was accused to making millions in the books he wrote to defend the children of Medjugorje and to propagate the message of conversion given by the Goshpa, Our Lady of Peace. So this is a brief idea uh, of what happened in Medjugorje. So it has not been condemned yet. Uh, actually, even though Pope Francis uh, is uh, quite um, uh, has a bit of uh, animosity against it, because he openly and publicly declared he does not believe that the version appears there as a postman with a daily message to the faithful. Uh, Rome has declared that now local parish priests can organize uh, parish pilgrimages to Medjugorje. I've been there. Again, not knowing what to expect, because I heard of the controversies.
When you go there and you see the endless lines of faithful asking to a battalion of monks, of Franciscan and regular priests to hear their confession, you, I defy you to keep your eyes dry. I defy anyone to keep their eyes dry. When you see those same faithful at night, spending the whole night in St. James Church on their knees, adoring the Holy Eucharist, exposed. I tell you, if it comes from the devil, Father, I would strongly suspect that uh, Satan has suicidal tendencies because that's exactly what he doesn't want. It's extraordinary. There might be some distortion as to what happened with some visionaries or not against let he who never uh, committed an error cast the first stone on the children of Medjugorje. No, uh, it belongs to God to be the ultimate judge, not to us. And a human factor will always, I'm afraid, be present. But I totally agree with you, Father and Doug, on your uh, view on Medjugorje. The results are indeed extraordinary. You know, Xavier, I think a lot of what you're saying, and I know we're we're really detailing things out very in a very lengthy way. Um, this will be a very long podcast, or it may be a two-parter, so everybody's going to have to hang in there and, and follow this. But there's so much happening, and there's so many ways we need to be looking at these things. And I think the point that you made about how different parts of the world, different calls uh, of, of God, of Our Lady, that so many things just cannot be coincidence. Um, very much like even the picture behind you, uh, the famous you know picture of the Dome of St. Peter being struck. Um, and if people look that up, it happened on February 11th, uh, was it 2013, just after Pope Benedict resigned. That is the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, by the way. Um, there's also another reported one that took place, it says, on October 7th of 2016, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, Feast of Our Lady of Victory. But could you speak to, um, and I know we're going off into another area right now, but there's so many pieces we want to address with you. Um, of course. But this dome is struck uh, February 11th, 2013, when Pope Benedict <laughs> resigns. And then something else recently happened in Buenos Aires, I believe. Can you tell us about that and your thoughts on this? Yes, that's that's truly, truly fantastic. Um on December the 17th, which, uh, coincidence number one, December the 17th, 2023, is the birthday of Pope Francis. On that day, one day before the release of uh, Fiducia Supplicans, no? Fiducia Supplicans, as we all have heard, in um, its greater <laughs> glory, just before Christmas, uh, gives um, an authorization, an invective uh, to all parish priests to give a blessing to homosexual couples or to couples that are not in good standing with the Catholic Church. Now, on that day, on December 17, 2023, uh, anniversary birthday, rather, of Pope Francis in his own capital, the capital of Argentina, a lightning bolt deprived the statue of the Catholic Church first Pope, St. Peter, destroying or taking away, pulverizing his key, the keys of paradise, his hello, and his blessing hand. Now, 
This was in the sanctuary of Our Lady of the Rosary in Saint Nicholas, which is an approved apparition site by the Catholic Church. What I know because Father Laurentin was pivotal and instrumental in the recognition process of this particular apparition site. This and there's been some um, unfounded uh, rumors that it was um, not true. It was a fantasy invented. This has been con uh, confirmed by Andrea Cionchi. He is the author of the Ratzinger Code, uh, debunked by a Francis Adderant and supporter. No? So th this gives tremendous credibility. And if you don't see a message in that, truly, you have either to be of bad faith or simply utterly blind. No? And I, if you permit me, I'd like to discuss a bit more about this fiducia supplicans. This approval is not a formal approval of the union between, according to the statement of Rome, between an homosexual um, couple. Simply, indirectly, gives them a sacerdotal or a priestly blessing upon them, which some will interpret it. It's a, it's a word game. It's a question of detail of what you call it, but it is exactly the same thing. I would like to bring simply to your attention two particular passages of the Bible. One would be from Leviticus 20.13, open quote. If a man has sexual relations with a man, as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is abominable. They are to be put to death. Their blood, their blood will be on their own heads. Leviticus 20.13. This is from Romans 1, chapter 1, 26, 27. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even women turned against the natural way and instead went against nature. And the same was for men. Abandoning natural intercourse with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Gentlemen, there you have it. This is Holy Scriptures. The new interpretation we are being given, it is, it is acceptable and even worthy of a priestly blessing to be given to people who openly commit, according to Holy Scriptures, an abominable sin in the eyes of God. How many interpretation could there possibly be? Well, and I've been confused many times in this pontificate. I, he's our pope, and you know I, he's marvelous in a lot of ways. But uh, I go back to Pachamama. I mean, oh, it's not this, it's not that, it's it's this instead, it's not that, it's not this. Come on, the whole world is watching a pagan idol, a few feet away from the bones of Peter in St. Peter's Basilica. And we're watching as people are actually bowing down in the action of worship to this pagan idol. <laughs> um, so to me, it's it's kind of similar where, well, you explain it away as something else, you know, no, it's, not, it's not what you're thinking, what you're seeing. Um, and we, we, there was a priest that, Quickly put a picture up, you're a prominent priest, I'm, I'm not into names, but uh, 
a picture of him blessing a, a gay couple that were holding hands together. And that went out to, what, hundreds of thousands of people right after fiducius supplicans. Um, of course that was going to happen, you know? And, and right after uh, Pachamama, there were places in parts mm -hmm. of the world where they were bringing pagan idols into the churches mm -hmm. and, and worshiping. And of course that was going to happen, you know? So, uh, but what I, th I, I feel what's happening and, you know, I don't know if the prophecies you're uh, studying, so you're like the expert on prophecies. Thank you so much. But I don't know <laughs> if what you're seeing is, it, we, we know the devil's tactics uh, by and large, but uh, he he divides and conquers. Uh, he confuses, right? Um, he creates chaos. And it just seems like in our time, and I'll just start with, let's go with 2020. You know, and when we were hit with this um, plague, uh, which was, by the way, I connected some dots there. Uh, the plague uh, cell phone activity went out in uh, the Wuhan lab from October 7th to, I believe, October 23rd, indicating that some event happened on October 6th. And then uh, on October 6th was the beginning of the Amazon Synod. And the, the what everybody saw was the of pagan idols. I, re I remember Monsignor Pope put up a video uh, not knowing anything about a plague, you know, uh, right, right after October 6th saying, wait a minute, we need to repent because, and I don't know what God's going to do, he usually brings a plague. I mean, he said that in the video and he didn't, we didn't know, know anything about COVID. Um, and lo and behold, uh, that's in fact what happened. So I, I don't know, Xavier, it just seems like the groundwork is being laid, right? Um, first of all, I think I, I use shopping and golfing. We've become distracted with our stuff. And also the groundwork I believe that's been laid is, and you touched on it earlier, Xavier, where, um, you know, where's the seriousness in people's faith anymore? And, and my personal belief is that once we um, thinned out, watered down the offering of the holy sacrifice of the mass, well then, yeah, you know, let's just go there and have a little social club and grab the host. And uh, it, it, there's no level of seriousness. There's a, it's replete in sacred scripture, especially the Psalms too. Blessed are those who uh, fear the Lord. And fear the Lord means you're filled with awe and wonder and you're afraid of ever offending him. Blessed are they uh, who fear the Lord. And so in, I think the vast majority of the church that's gone, you know, show up in your torn jeans and your t-shirt and, and grab your host. And if you go at all anymore, um, yet in those places where they concentrate on offering a sacred and reverent liturgy, especially young people are just gravitating toward it. But I don't know. Um, it just seems like, I guess my point here, Xavier, is it, like you said, October wouldn't be the tribulation, but it would be like the beginnings. Well, I think the beginnings, I think that was a huge trigger point. You're bombing the Holy Land, and everybody has a vested interest in that. I mean, you can't make this up. Uh, but I think the groundwork's been laid prior to that, leading us up to a time of being vulnerable or vulnerable.
Uh, and again, my favorite quote, we maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. We've made ourselves vulnerable. We're distracting our stuff. We've weakened the liturgy. Um, we're, we're kowtowing to the, the uh, basically the, um, the world leaders, you know, the, the new world order, you know, because what are they doing? They're aggressively attacking. And then, and then our spiritual leaders are going, okay, okay, okay. You know, we'll help you punish the people that you're having a problem with. You know, it's just, I mean, it's just everything right now. It just seems like it's coming to a point. This concludes part one of this two-part interview with Xavier Eral. We look forward to seeing you soon in part two. May God bless you and strengthen you.